Leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Welcome to Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath, where experienced leaders share their own brand of leadership to help you develop and improve your own leadership capabilities. And now, here's your host, Dr. Gary. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Welcome again to Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Today's guest loves helping business owners create winning cultures for their teams by designing efficient and engaging workplaces. With over 18 years of business experience building other businesses and his own entrepreneurial endeavors, he gained knowledge in sales, planning, budgeting, forecasting, staff management, relationship building, public relations, and marketing. Oh, that's a mouthful, I'll tell you, in multiple industries. His business today is to transform offices into places people want to work and thinking about COVID and people coming in and out of offices and everything. This is, this is interesting. We got to hear about this. He designs, he builds, he installs, and he's known as a super connector. Please welcome to today's program, Chris Johnson. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing great, Gary. Thanks for having me. I, I guess somewhere along the line, we're going to have to talk about this Indiana, Connecticut basketball rivalry, but we'll worry about that. We'll worry about that later. <laughs> So, Chris, talk to me a little bit about your your history, your background, how you got into what you do today. Just fill us in, you know, if you're ever a paper boy or mowed lawns or, you know, you started a business somewhere, right? Yeah, I think the the best thing to to start, which is kind of the fabric of me, Gary, would be where I'm from. So, grew up in Bloomington, Indiana, and was provided with a foundation that you know, most uh, people would be envious of and be the first to say that I, I love my mother and I love my father. Just just came from a very charmed background. Never had a lot of money growing up, but would say my childhood was perfect. Never, never wanted anything. And, you know, you have a lot of kids when they grow up and they have a, a stage in their life where they don't like their parents. I'm not sure I ever had that. And even even to this day, at 44 years of age, father and I have a relationship that is really sweet. You know, when I talk to my dad, it's still my father. Like, there's no friendship here. It was it was never never and never would say my dad was a friend. Like some some parents or children would say they their relationship changes. Uh, I think mine was always really really good. So the, the relationship continues to be to be that. So uh, we talk about hoops, Indiana, Connecticut. We'll get right into it right now. Dad and I talk about basketball at least once a day. It's uh, And if I wasn't doing what I decided to do now, I would certainly have probably been either an agent or a scout. Would have probably been something that I could have done very, very easily and because it's really, uh, truly a passion. But growing up in Bloomington, always had entrepreneurial spirit and have Spent my whole life from my upbringing. You know, my dad walks into a high school gym to see kids play. And, you know, he knows 100 people there. And money and influence really had nothing to do with each other. And, and my father never made a ton of money, but he's always had more impact on people than anyone I've ever been around. So I've kind of like taken notes and watched his, the way he does things and have 
kind of tried to implement that in my own life and really try to to be a resource and impact piece for people. And in all of my entrepreneurial endeavors as I've as I've grown up, so I've, I've had a lot of them. Maybe we can get into that as we go. Well, you, what you're talking about is really what a lot of us hope for is to have a really strong foundation growing up and then being able to continue with that foundation. How specifically, how has that served you as an entrepreneur? How, how has that foundation helped you become the business person that you are today? I think being uh, having empathy for people to understand where they are and to understand that we're all different in some ways and that we can all come up with a common solution. And maybe when the way you lead is to not get to the core of anything is to, and to explain why certain things are the way they are and to really try to see the best in people. And, you know, people maybe show some bad signs to you at certain points of the relationship that you under, I think the longer you go with folks, I think you can know that you're going to see the good side eventually. So my foundation was always half glass full and with a very optimistic view on, on life, even when things are at the worst. And all stations in life are very, very temporary. I think I understood that growing up. And then having a faith piece, my parents were always pretty faithful people. So I think that's been a real help to me as I've gone through challenges to know. And, and I've had plenty of them in my life. It's never, it's never always been great. I've had my ups and downs. And so I think when you're dealing with people that you're either – Co-workers or people that that have worked for me in the past, uh, I've always understood that life is, you know, money is one thing, but there's a lot more to life and things can happen inside of that money. I mean, that your wife can get cancer, you can have things that happen. So the if motivating factor is money and that's the only thing you've got going for yourself, I think it's a very empty existence. So, you know, I'm into growth and impact. I like to see people grow. And, you know, I'm the type of guy that I want people to call me when they need something. So, you know, you mentioned that super connector thing and I'll take that proudly because that means I'm trying to help. I'm a helpful piece to people. Um, I have a struggle with receiving. I'm always like, you know, I'm a connector. So to give 100, 150 connections a week is not a far cry for me. It happens a lot. But I need to maybe get better at asking for things in return or maybe a boomerang effect. That's something that I've struggled with but i just love the the give and how it makes me feel and you know giving might be the most selfish thing you can do but i just enjoy it so immensely that really you know it's something i do easily and i sleep really well at night because so let's let's get back to you know there's there's something there's a mindset here when you talk about all these things there's so many of these things are a mindset i'm going to take two that you said to kind of connect them and that is, is seeing the best in people. And this is something that I, I had seven different jobs when I was in manufacturing for Scott Paper and Procter and Gamble and turning around departments and never fired anybody. I mean, you, you would think in the hundreds and hundreds of people that worked for me that somebody would have come along that I should have fired. I didn't have to fire any of them because I saw the people as half full, not half empty. And that's what I'm hearing you say the same thing is you saw people not in terms of what was missing, but what was there. And looking for the best in that. Talk a little bit about how that served you over the over the you know your lifetime or your your entrepreneurial venture where you take people. I mean, haven't you had somebody that worked for you or was in a capacity that was struggling, and you were able to help them see what was full in them, what the strength was in them, 
and how overcome that. It's funny you say that we had it happen yesterday. I mean, we run a group here in Chicago, Gary, called the Strategic Introduction League. We've had about 900 people that have been in and out of it since we started it pre-COVID. We don't charge a nickel for it. So with that, we can be pretty, we, we can look at things for what we want and we can vet people on how they, how, how we want things to be done. So we look for altruistic mindset that converges with opportunity. And, you know, the, the Adam Grant matchers and takers, we try to rid ourselves of that. And we're certainly not afraid to change the rooms. So we get, we have a 30 minute speaker and then we break out into groups and we ask some very questions that kind of make people uncomfortable. So we can kind of get to know what their value systems are about. And I think the more that you can talk about who you are and the less you can talk about business on the front side, the more opportunities happen on the back side. And that's our belief is that we can really get people to maybe be a little bit uncomfortable with some of the questions that we ask just so we can see what they're about. So I had a young lady yesterday that I had a conversation with and she said, why are you so personal on your LinkedIn? She said, that's really the, not the brightest thing I've ever seen. She said, there should be a separation between your personal life and your business life. And I said, well, why do you say that? And she said, well, that that's obvious. I said, well, I, I have, I'm an open book. And so I, I think the personal side and business side can go together. I, I, I'm a proud husband and a proud father of a young three-year-old daughter. And it was not the easiest thing for us to have our daughter. So we are very, very grateful. So I'm always very uh, eager for people to ask me about that. And then, you know, like I said earlier, Gary, you know, people, when you're talking about business, it becomes more cumbersome. If you're talking about your personal life, I think business certainly evolves faster from that. So, and I talked about our group, we really want, we want to talk about our, our, our lives and what, what's going on and what makes us tick and our, our passions. Cause when people get to know who you really are as a person, uh, I think business evolves a lot faster that way. So we had a little disagreement, her and I. I. I didn't think it aligned as far as her being in our group. And I just said, hey, maybe it's not a good fit. I wish you nothing but success. She came back to me, you know, 20 minutes later and said, I really would like to be a part of your group. And I said, I'm more than, so I ended up sending her the link. So I, I believe there's good in that. I believe maybe it was just a bad morning for her. She came highly recommended from somebody else that I trust and value. So we'll see how it goes. But, you know, the optimistic part of people and seeing the good and somewhere along the way, I, I think we're going to find that she's going to be a, a really a good addition to what we do with Syl. But, you know, everyone has a bad day and, and it's just part of life. And, and I always say, it's, I, I look at things for where they are right now. That doesn't mean an hour from now or 10 years from now that things can't, change and we don't really know what's going on in people's lives in that moment there could be no we don't but let's let's look at it this and i always look about a mindset and, and understanding you talked in the very beginning about empathy and understanding and there's a lot of reasons why certain people won't put their personal information up and they may be conditioned you know as a woman she may be more conditioned to not have personal stuff up because of things that can happen um, I was talking to a client a, a while back and there was a person missing from the organizational chart 
an executive that was missing on the org chart on their website. And I said, well, how come this person isn't there? You know, just, just asked the question. And they said, Oh, uh, because her husband has been stalking her ex and, you know, they're going to this whole story and I'm like, Oh my God, you know, <laughs> you just, you never know with the information in front of us. And empathy is about understanding. And I, I think that's great that you can look at this with this woman and say, you know, let's see, you know, let's see, you may be able to do something with her to help her open up and be vulnerable. And nowadays in this pandemic, I mean, we started this call a little while ago and, and this starts on my video calls all the time. My dog jumps in my lap. I have a lap dog. Okay. A 75 pound yellow lab that thinks he's a lap dog and he kisses me on the face. And that's, it's this, this video, this, this new video reality that we have now being in our homes. I love it. I love the fact that we can just be ourselves and be more open, be more vulnerable and let each other into each other's lives. Other people are not that comfortable with that. They, they want to keep that separation and that's fine. But to your point, if you don't want to be vulnerable, you don't want to be open, you don't want to have a holistic view of this in personal professional life, go, go to another organization. That's fine. And that's accepting and that's okay. And at the same time, what you were saying about vulnerability and acceptance, we're talking about leadership again. I used to tell people all the time, if you have a problem, you know, Chris, if I'm talking to you and you're a direct report of mine and you're challenged in, in your, your, your capabilities and getting things done, I would say to you, I'm going to do everything I can to help you succeed. All I expect out of you is effort. Do your best. And if things get really difficult, 85% of all problems at work are because of things outside of work. So if you're struggling with something and you need my help, I'm more than happy. I've got your back. You know, we talk about this IGYB leadership. I've got your back. But if you don't want to tell me what's going on personally, that's your right. That is you. You can keep it that way. I can only then judge you on your performance within the walls of this organization. So that's your choice. Leadership is about getting to know the person to me. And until you as a leader demonstrate some level of care for the human being, you're not really leading them. You're just setting expectations and seeing activity completion to some level of uh, expertise. And that's it. Yeah. I think my last thing I said to her was, I think it, at some point you and I will be great friends and we'll look at this as just a, a, a blip in the road. And that's how it was left. And looking forward to seeing, you know, what I can do to provide some type of value in her life, whatever that is. And I, I don't know what it is. And, and I don't even know if she wants it, but I'm always here for that if yeah. something I can do to serve her. So, yeah, I mean, not everybody aligns with you at the beginning, but I think it can evolve. So it sounds to me like this is this is great as we talk about this. It sounds to me like there's a lot of aspects of your life that are all and you see it holistically all interconnected in a way that you take your, your business and your personal life and the associations and the professional organizations and the community organizations that you're to you in your mind, they're, they're all connected. It's all interwoven. And in all of those things, when you think about stuff, even, even within your business, it's more about leadership than management. Our definition of leadership starts with the ability to build relationships. And that's what you do. And I think the foundation of the things that you talked about from your family life, seeing things as half full, seeing the good in people, creates 
a persona for you that engages human beings in a conversation that allows you to get to know each other so that you can support, help, and engage with each other in positive ways. That's what I'm hearing. No question. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun living that life. It really is. It's how do you take that into business? How do you how are you doing that in your business in following those same principles? Well, if you look at COVID in the last year, we've been again half glass full. It's not been an easy year for somebody in maybe in the office world because a lot of folks are going to be home. I think that's going to be in the foreseeable future. I, you know, it's going to be a hybrid situation. But so you've got to have a very agile, optimistic, half glass full attitude to get through this and to create cultures of togetherness. And I think that's what we've done at where I'm at at Ricky Austin Tears. I, I, I think our culture and our, our leadership is as good as, as anywhere you'll find in Chicago and maybe anywhere in the country because we're very quick to respond to what we need to do. So, you know, you got office, but, you know, we've gotten into the home world. Now we're doing interior design in residential. We did, we were one of the first to come out with shields to protect companies. So, you know, we're talking for our ownership base, we're talking, you know, 18, 22 hour days to figure this out. It's like, how are we going to save jobs for all the folks that are, that are, you know, and show a level of care, Gary, as you just said to not only our our team but also our clients so i think you know we feel like it's been a tough year but we, we look at 21 we think it's going to be a, a fantastic year you know and we're again agile in our thinking we we are an office provider in a lot of ways but you know i, I go to indianapolis a lot because it gives me joy to go hang out in the area that i grew up in but we had a, a couple gentlemen do uh, e-gaming they came up to me and said hey is that something you would consider mass producing for us our e-gaming tables. We think this market's bigger than NASCAR. And uh, I said, I don't know, but I'll certainly evaluate it. So we were open-minded to what what we what the possibilities are. And so we put it back to the to the drawing board and our designers created it and and now we're going to work together. So I think again agility and being just being happy, being comfortable in your own skin. And knowing the better days are ahead, that the best is yet to come. I mean, that's a Bible verse, but we certainly believe the best is yet to come for us. You know, we're going to double or triple our company in the next two or three years. It's been a tough road, but it, it'll it'll continue to get better. Yeah, I, I love the idea, you know, and what you've done is is under present conditions, looked at where the need is. I'm, I'm sitting in a home office right now in a house that we we bought, built and bought a year ago. And I need, you know, right behind me, I want a wall unit and I want a new office space. And just the stuff that you're talking about, trying to find somebody to come in and do that right now is nearly impossible without a hundred percent custom, which is what I might have to do, but we might need to talk because that's an area that I have a need. And I'm, I'll tell you, I know it's a huge need right now. Because when we tried to buy a desk for my wife a few months ago, you can't find a desk to buy because everybody's buying desks. So, yeah, this is the new norm. There's no question that uh, organizations are looking at more shared space, cutting 50% of their office space, having people come in two or three days a week rather than five days a week. And you still get the interpersonal connection, but change the way we do business. And being agile with that and you looking at that, it's the only way to be. Otherwise, you're going to go out of business. 
I think any, any company that's that's doing the right things, and really it's about your people and it's about looking at, at the holistic view of, of where things are going. And, you know, in my previous companies, we used to ask people, you know, who are you becoming, not what are you becoming? And I learned that from a guy in Seattle and as a restaurant. And, you know, that, that restaurant world is a broken world as far as what the culture of a restaurant, you got folks that are not making any money and they have addictions and, you know, saw a YouTube video with this gentleman in Seattle. His name is Mark Canlis, and he just blew me away on this video. So I told my wife, if we ever are out in Seattle, I certainly would like to go to this restaurant. And phenomenal panoramic views of Seattle, beautiful view, great restaurant. The food was incredible. And so I went up to the major dean. I said, hey, would like to meet Mark, saw him speak at a conference and was really impressed. And she said, absolutely, he'll be right out to your table. For most gentlemen or ladies, you would say they'd come say hi and maybe do a minute talk and shake your hand and walk off. He was there 35 minutes. So highly impressed with, with him. And I've tried to implement that in in my life with, with really anybody that I encounter. And there's really no relationship or interaction that I turn down, I think. I see the, the, the best in, in everybody. And I say, I'm looking for centers of influence. If they have the abundant mindset and they have the, the optimistic view of life, I certainly in energy, those are people I want to talk to no matter whether they're selling me. Cause even if they're selling me, I will find something in my network that I can serve them with and help. Them. So, you know, I've been around some really, really good people in my life, Gary with mentors and, and I'm, I'm, I'm a learner. I'm always looking at, different videos and podcasts like this. And I, I don't reinvent the wheel. I, I just pay attention to what all the other really good people are doing. Well, so, you know, we talked about this earlier and leaving coaches names out of it, but it's a really good example of the difference in really effective leadership and ineffective leadership where I've, I've often said this principle of leadership and building trust, you build it one person at a time. In some way, shape, or form, you build it one. Even in large organizations, you build it one person at a time, and you go down, you get advocates for you that said, oh, you know, Chris, oh, he was great. He would talk to me, and, you know, trust me, he's a great guy, you know, and if you ever get a chance to talk to him, and you may never, but if you ever get a chance to talk to him, he will take the time to talk to you. That means everything, whether it's, you know, this guy, Mark, at the restaurant or the coaches. And you, you, we were talking earlier about the difference between these two coaches where one finishes at this coaches meeting and sticks around and will talk to everybody and give hugs and spend the time and get to know the human being. And the other one, when they're done, they walk out of the room and the impact that they have in, in that situation. Right. And that's, that's leadership. It's not management. It's not coaching. It's not you know, recruiting when we're talking about leadership in, in a sport, like we were talking earlier, it's, that's about leadership of anybody they come in touch with. And that's everything. I think enthusiasm sells Gary. And we talked about that. And I really think that the one coach without naming any names had a vision for where he was going in a, at a school that it was very, very difficult to, get anything done. And he has a, he has a, a phrase that he used that was really like, that really resonated with this pandemic thing to love each other. And at the time when he said it, he got a heck of a lot of, of flack for doing it. It's like, this is like one of the losingest programs in the history of, of this sport. And he stuck with it. 
And you know, he didn't care what people thought of him because he knew in the, at the end of the day that he was real, he was genuine, he was authentic, and that it would resonate. Now when you win, all of a sudden, all that word, all those things he said, now, now, now people are like, well, that was genius. When he did it, it was like, what, what a goof, what a, you know, what a kind of, they called him a clown. And they, a lot of things came out that were probably not the most positive, but, you know, the kids love him. And again, that's, that's leadership. And in this state, you know, 25 years ago, I think you could be maybe a little bit more direct and have the background of tough love and discipline. But I think in this day and age with where we are as a society, I, I think loving the people and showing care and showing compassion and empathy again is, is really the way the world for, especially for 17 to 19 or 20 year old kids, they have to know you care first before you're going to be able to coach them. And that the, the radical success that this gentleman has had is only going to get better. And he's at a school where it's difficult to sustain it. So it'll be interesting to see if he moves on to a different school when when the money comes, because like we're going to see what the values are. You say one thing, the money's here, and then somebody offers you a boatload of money. Are you going to stay with that? Yeah. And that would be an interesting thing to, to follow as we as we move forward. But uh, I am thoroughly impressed. Every video that he does in the locker room, I watch it because there's a lot to be learned from the things that that he's doing. And I'm sure he'll be doing a lot of speeches at national coaches conferences. He'll be speaking a, a lot of things here in probably the next two years because there are a lot of people taking notes right now what this guy's doing. Well, you know, and the thing that's interesting about all of this is the combination of these messages, the consistency and the, the, the things that happen off camera that people don't see. That's what really creates the program. The thing that's on camera, you know, just love everybody. But if he's off camera and not doing that, then it's not going to fly. And by him saying, you know, I really don't care what people think we're going to do this because whether he wins a game or not, if they impact each other's lives in a way that knows that somebody cares about you, there are kids on those teams that will do great things because of that one thing. And it's paying it forward. It doesn't matter. And that's the, that's the essence of leadership is our ability to be able to impact each other for life because of the way we treat each other with compassion and accountability. And balancing those two at any given time is where the real challenges in leadership that people struggle with. But all the things that you're talking about, the great leaders don't care what people around them think. They just do what they think is right. And that's the definition of leadership, doing what's right. Management is doing things right. So, you know, all the things that you're talking about just just resonate with me very deeply. So I, I want to wrap things up today. If there's nothing profound that you'd like to finish up with, I have a question for you. I would like to add to, I think that coach is developing men. Yes. I think winning sometimes get, gets in the way of the off the field. So I, th I think the society is so interested in winning. And culture is a fascinating topic for me. When you're winning, I've never heard of a good culture when you're losing. Let's just say that. So when you win, culture's great. Same thing in a company. If nobody's making any money, the culture is probably not going to be the best. If, if everyone's struggling to pay their bills in, the, in a company, I can't imagine that you're going to have a great environment. So whether you're making a million dollars a year or, or 50,000, I, I think the expectations have to be laid out. But, you know, winning and culture, they go hand in hand in my opinion. 
Well, we can have a long discussion about that because the fact of the matter is the, the, whether it's culture or character, I say this all the time. Events do not build character. Struggle doesn't always build character. It reveals it. Ooh, I love that. So a bad culture is revealed with bad results. And it was always there. The bad culture was always there. It didn't all of a sudden, especially cultures that take years to create, it doesn't all of a sudden go bad. It was bad all along if we have bad results. Now, circumstances can create short-term bad results, but a strong culture, and we're seeing this today with a lot of the C-Suite Network Hero Club members that I'm, I, I know who are making commitments to employees, telling them we're going to do everything we can to make sure that you can pay your bills and we'll cut salaries you know, for everybody, us included. I know owners that are taking no money so that they can pay their employees. These are cultures that are saying we care about you and we will do everything we can to pay the mortgages and take care of you. And that's putting their money where their mouth is because they care about the people. Other people are just shuttering up the business and trying to hold on to the money as much as they can. It, it reveals the character and the culture. It doesn't create it. So to your point about, you know, I've, there have been some situationally some great coaches that become great that lose early on in their. Why is it that they lose early on in their career? Because they're learning how to be a coach. Yeah. I tell it takes five to 10 years of, of management experience with some coaching and training to become mediocre as a leader in a management position. Five to 10 years because it's so complex. The leadership development program that we do can accelerate that to maybe three or four years. We can speed it up by twice as much because it includes all the things that we include. And it's also culturally aligned. Okay, it's called, it's, it's according to their mission and values. We do it customized to the mission and value. If you don't train your people, then what you're doing is you're handing them the metaphor I always use. You're handing them a scalpel and telling them to remove the appendix because you know what to do. The appendix is, is bursting and you need to get it out of that person's body. Just rip it out. Without training, the patient dies. This is the same thing we do in leadership and management and companies every single day when we promote somebody into supervision or management and we tell them, take over, you're going to be fine, you're a great salesperson, you're a great technician, you're a great whatever it is, you'll be just fine in management. Completely different skill set and we're handing them the scalpel of management and saying, go for it. It doesn't freaking work. Yeah, I think you have to have patience in the higher, higher levels of understand that this is like this for a while. And then it can go from here. You can be a very average team or a very average sales cycle. And then all the things that you've done all of a sudden jump up here because of all the little things that you've done. So you got to have patience. Absolutely. It's a tipping point. It takes three to five years. And I've, I've worked with companies, you know, my favorite Baker Roofing Company. I mention them all the time. I'll be going into my 13th year with them. And the things that they've invested in over the years where I saw them 12 or 13 years ago and where I see them today, they're three or four times the size they were 12 years ago. It's because of what they've done in developing people. They made a commitment to that eight years ago that employee development was their number one initiative and they've been doing it ever since. It makes a difference. It it creates an intentional culture. So, So here's my question for you, Chris. If you could write yourself a letter and send it back to yourself 20 or 25 years ago and tell Chris, here's some advice. Here's what I would like you to consider. Here's what I'd like you to think about as you 
restart your life, what would you have written? What would you have told the younger Chris? I think it's the same letter that I, that I, my mom wrote, read me something that I had written 20 years ago, literally four or five months ago. And it was that it's not about me. Mm. And I think that I've lived that my entire life. There's a, there's a scene in Jim Valvano when he did his ESPY speech. I've been watching a lot of that lately because of the games that I watch on ESPN, but he had a, a six minute segment on a speech he did in, called cutting down the nets, you know, you live in rally. So I'm sure you've seen it. And he talked about my bags are packed for you. And with his mother and his father, and his dad put the, the, the bag in his room. He said he never had gone to his father's room before. And he said, I'm, my bags are packed for you for, you to win a national championship. And he talked about the, how hard it was to get there. He had eight years at Iona and then he went to NC state. And he just talked about the journey of, a, of it. And then when his dad, when he won it all, he had a, his brother gave him a picture saying, you know, just like, you know, like father, like son. He said it was his most precious possession that he ever had. And so that, that's really what we try to do in our sale group. I think I think our ownership at, at the company I worked in, I really think their bags are packed for for all of us. I think the value systems are in place. I think we we we're other centered. We're we're empathetic. It's it's not about us. We're willing to do the strategic things. We're willing to take the long game because we know that doing a lot of little things for people are going to add up in the end. And we feel like we can go from 20 to a hundred when that happens, because it's really, that's the long game. And we're not transactional in, in, in what we do. If you're going to talk about helping other people with their culture, you better make sure your culture, your company is completely in line. So if you're going to say something, you've got to live it. You know, you're going to talk about not getting the DUI. You sure say better not get one yourself. Yeah. So we live it in our culture at the company that I'm at and I live it in my personal life. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. But I do the best I can and I expect the best in others. And, I, and it's been a life. It's been a great journey. And you expect to get just a little bit better each day. That's it. Right. Yeah. Chris, thanks so much for being our guest today on leading from the front. It's been a great conversation. I really appreciate your insights and wisdom. So thanks so much. Thank you, Gary. Thanks for having me. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Thanks for joining us again on Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Take care and be well. Thanks for being with us on Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the work Dr. Gary is doing, visit statarius.com, S-T-A-T-A-R-I-U-S.com. Music for Leading from the Front is provided by Peter Katz. For more of his music, visit peterkatz.com.